Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net if you would like to join our program. Love to have your questions. You know, it's amazing how we enter a week or a year, actually, really, right, with absolute certainty that the market can't go up, won't go up, all of the babble from the Wall Street firms about the coming recession, all of the discussions about how bad the economy is, and it's not good, don't get me wrong, but all of the predictions, why bother with stocks? Don't even touch them. And the market can't do anything. I mean, it would be a great year if the market just marched sideways. And the highest risk stocks, small caps, are up over 7% in two weeks. The NASDAQ, which can't go anywhere, we already know tech stocks are overpriced, with interest rates higher, PE ratios can't be this high, blah, blah, blah. We know all this because Wall Street analysts tell us that every day. Every day. And what does the market do? Right? I mean, NASDAQ up 6% two weeks. Really? But Tesla's dead. Google, Amazon, Facebook, come on. PE ratios times blah, blah, It happens all the time. We try to predict the future. And, and, it, and it's almost like the market just makes us look stupid, even though the comments are logical. It's logical to say PE ratios are normally at 16 and a half. Interest rates are high, so maybe even should be lower. And we're going into recession, so we're going to have earnings lower. Therefore, the market is going to do X. And we think this is logical. And, and, and it's this funny thing that we are so predicting the future, and yet we can't wrap our minds around the fact that we're, like, never right. So let me try to predict again, and let me govern my life by my predictions. He said, well, of course I have to predict the future. Isn't that what the market is? And the answer is no, it's not. And I think this is one of the hardest things to grasp. If the market is not about predicting the future, what is it? It's about owning the greatest corporations in the world, owning them, not trading them, owning them. Sure, black boxes control 70, 80%, whatever the number is, right, of the trading every single day. Black boxes drive the market crazy at times, totally crazy. Straight up, straight down, all that stuff, right? They do it all the time. But only for a second or two. And then the reality of owning the great corporations comes back. Uh, the corporations that aren't so great, they go bye-bye. And capital is destroyed. And then new companies come up. When we have an opportunity, and we have had that, of buying the great corporations in the world at amazing discounts, We really shouldn't be amazed that they might rebound, even though it's certain we're going into a recession. It's certain that 
corporate profits are going down. It's certain that the market traded at 16 or so times earnings. And so we draw our graphs and charts and we talk with great intelligence about what's going to happen. And we're wrong. We're absolutely wrong. And yet, let's go to that analyst. Let's go back to this analyst. Let's talk like we know what's going to happen. And we don't know what's going to happen. We don't. And we don't have to. But we always try to do that. And it's a really amazing thing to me. I, I do it. We all do it. It's human nature. But it's totally unnecessary. We don't have to know. Quotes what the market's going to do to do extremely well. Owning the great corporations of the world. We don't have to do that. And it's really hard to wrap our minds around that. It just is. I know that. But I always love, I don't know, periods of time like this and all through last year, really, to humble all of us. I'm not just poking fun at Wall Street. All of us act like this. Well, I got this. I know what's going to happen. And we don't. And I think the incredible difficulty for all of us is just really trying to grasp how wrong we are most all of the time about the future. Now, we can be right in broad brush strokes, right? I mean, I know it sounds like it's all political, right? But who would ever have thought somebody like Joe Biden would be president? Who ever would have thought somebody like Donald Trump would be president? But they are. They were. Even in politics, even with a microscope, we can't know how people are going to feel. And we can look at it in, in hindsight and we can say, oh, yeah, okay, I can see why. And we often do that, especially with the market, right? It's like, oh, well, stocks did this today because, you know, and I've plenty of times made fun of the silliness of the excuses why the market moves, you know, basically sideways. It's, it's crazy. They have to come up with a reason every day instead of just stocks move sideways for absolutely no apparent reason. They just didn't do much today. That, that would actually be an honest report, but they don't do that. There has to be a reason why every single day the sky is blue. And, and instead of just, you know, here's what actually not, not much happened on Wall Street today. Thanks for tuning in. And, and, and that would be most days. But we have to have reasons. We have to have all of these important things. Or you would not have financial press. Because the news would be like it was. I love this data point. Okay, so this is good bar bet, okay? So how long was the evening news in the early 1970s? And the answer is it was 30 minutes. 15, actually, excuse me, 15 minutes. How long do you think they spent on financial news? What the market did and why the market did what it did? None. It wasn't important in that 15 minutes. Now we're obsessed by, quotes, news, and by and large, it's propaganda, as we know, but we watch it 24-7, and we think we're getting smarter instead of dumber. Interesting, but we are. We're fixated 
on data, not wisdom. And it really is screwing up our ability to invest. People trade too much, they buy meme stocks, and we'll talk about that as well. All right, I got to take a quick break. Our number is 580-5436, 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Good morning. Welcome and thanks for joining us. 580-KIDO, Dave at PetzalFinancial.net. You know, I touched on this last week, and, and it's one of those things that I, I, I try to kind of keep in mind, right? I, I, I kind of keep it in front of me a lot, not as a predictive force, but what has always happened. Markets go to all-time highs after periodic certain to occur over and over again all the days of our life, market corrections. But I think sometimes we miss that that, that, that trying to grab the bottom is a silly process. We don't need to hit the bottom at all. It's not necessary to buy the absolute low price of Amazon if you think someday – They stay in business and continue to grow. Then, frankly, it's irrelevant whether you buy it at 100 or you buy it at 90 if it's on its way back up. I think about that because we always feel dumb when we buy something at 100 and watch it go to 95. Oh, gosh, it's so stupid. Human nature. Human nature is that we're wrong when we buy something at a good price and find out that somebody got it better. We feel bad, dumb, that the person on the airplane paid less for their seat than we did. It's an injustice. After all, we're going to the same place. How could that be? And we feel that way. It's very natural. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not natural. I'm saying it's wrong. It's our nature, but it's wrong. And when we think about that with stocks, and we think about the idea that Here is the fact, when the market is down by 25% or more, the last, since since I was born, I'm in my 60s now, okay? Since 1961, nine times out of 10, the market is higher. One year later, and by an average of 27%. And again, of course, averages don't matter. At all, because that's anywhere from like 1% to 60%. But 27? Man, that's a lot. Nine times out of 10, it's up. Wild. Wild. I mean, that's what we think about, not catching the bottom. All right. You hear the music. We're out of here. We're going to be back in the second hour. I hope you'll join us back after Fox News. Good morning. Hello and welcome. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. If you prefer email, it's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. Love to hear from you either way. Lyle, I'll get right to you here. Uh, I just wanted to talk for a minute it was you know it is i i i i'm always talking about us trying to predict the future i know i know and we can't do it but the reason i keep coming back to that is the simplicity of the market is really truly astounding when we can grasp it it is very simple we don't have to do anything to get rich. You're, you're not allowed to go to 
let's say the plant, right? The, the corporate plant that makes soap. And, 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 and it's a big snowstorm and you're there like, I'm a stockholder and I want to come help. You're not allowed on the property. You can't do anything except cash the dividend checks. When we own these great companies. And it's just super hard. And, and when we think about it on a day-to-day pricing, then we come to the point where we are trying to avoid, if you will, the volatility. The, meaning the day-to-day volatility. Like, like I was going to sell the soap company and stop collecting ever-rising dividend checks No, you weren't, but it matters what it's worth. It's like, this, it's like this measurement of my wealth, of my greatness, of what a stud I am. It, it, it's really something to think that we do this all the time, and, and it drives us to make some really bad decisions. There are literally, I don't know, you know, hundreds of thousands, millions of people that have flocked to you know, millions over the years, of course, but certainly now are flocking to investments that don't change in price. They're not priced every day. Oh, that makes it safe. Really? Except when they go away except when they stop paying, except that the fees are so high and when they eventually have a liquidity event, you know, 12 years later, they're worth nothing or little. We tend to look past all of this stuff. I mean, like way past how bad something is, how high the fees are. If it just doesn't move in price, But what we don't realize is it does move in price. You just can't get out. And so they can say it's worth anything they want to say and do. And we accept this. And we even call it a new portfolio. This is the new 60-40. It's not 60-40. Man, it's not. No, it's 60-20-20 or 60-30-10. We want alternatives. And yes, we do. I think some of the alternatives are great. But here's the point. Billions of dollars are lost every year on investments that promise a high income. And all you have to do is stay in it for the next X years. Hey, we're doing this new credit thing because it's really amazing. You know, it's hard for people to get money now for real estate deals. So we're lending on them, they're highly covered, it's pristine A1 locations, whatever. And we're gonna get you 10%, 12% a year. Oh, okay, so there's like easy lending with really great creditors. And it must be at like 16% after they take 25% of the money in a, you know, just a little fee, just a little fee. We try hedge funds and then we go to these things and then we go on and on all in this name that, that risk is right now on price, right this second. Oh my gosh. The market was what? It was down today. Stop it. Oh, oh, I can't believe it. Yep. It was down today. It was down last year. It's down once in a while, not a lot. And then it goes back to all-time highs. We can't seem to grasp that, and and we call that risk. Oh, yeah, yeah, well, you need to do a 60-40 portfolio, even though you know the 40% can't work because interest rates are too low. We, We know for a fact it won't work. It's factually earning less than the inflation rate at 1.5. That's what it's going to earn. And inflation is two. 
and we're supposed to be able to take it up 4% a year and grow it by the rate of inflation by putting 40% of our money in something we know won't work because that's the way we always did it. And then, of course, things change. Weird. Weird. But when they did pin interest rates at zero forever, and then we finally did get some inflation, lots of policy changes, blah, 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 whatever. We got it. And now rates are significantly higher, and bonds are actually down for over a two-year period. Never has happened before. Oh, my gosh, that's really weird. We should be looking for alternatives. We should have been. But now we chase the the 60-40 is dead. No, it's not. It's finally back to life because interest rates are higher. We can't just run on these little things and, and, and feel like all investing is, is about the price. Sure, you want to buy low and sell high. I get that. But thinking about the risk as what it is on price for a particular day leads us further from the truth and leads us into bad investment decision. Really bad. I've got no problem with interval funds and things like that. They're wonderful tools because we do have an opportunity to trade periodically. And I know I, I just said something that probably a fair number of people don't even know what an interval fund is. I get it. But it is priced. But we have to be careful of tying up capital under the false premises that it doesn't move around in price, that it's worth what you paid for it or more, and that you don't have to have it market priced. We have got to get away from it. It is becoming an enormous problem. It is the way that people, bad people, just rob people. Is because people are fixated that price is risk. And I can get a great return in something that doesn't move around until I want my capital back and you can't get it. It is the fraud that has been around for hundreds of years. Keep paying people money out of their own capital. They think they're getting a return on their investment and then it just disappears or goes down in value. And the fees are very high. Just be careful with that kind of thing. It is just so rampant, so rampant, especially in every downturn in the world. You want something of stable value. Of course, we all do. And then it has a high return, no risk, and blah, blah, blah. No, not true. All right, let's go to the phones. Our number is 580-KIDO. Lyle, are you there? Yes, good morning, Dave. I appreciate your show. I feel very fortunate to have you on my radio every Saturday, and uh, if I had to pay admission to listen to you, I would. Uh, I'd be happy to do so. I, I think you. I think you talk a lot of people off the ledge when it comes to investments. So, my question this morning, and uh, I, I, I love your philosophy. I've got a friend who's talking about pulling all of his money out. Well, there's still something there of like property, and I tell him. Remember Y2K and remember, uh, you know, 9-11 and remember the Vietnam War. I say, you just got to look at the graph. But my question today is Bed Bath & Beyond. They, their Ooh. earnings were down. They're talking bankruptcy. What happened? What is happening with that company and their stock? Fantastic. First of all, thank you for your wonderful compliments. I really appreciate that. I really do. And um, I, 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 when it comes to Bed Bath & Beyond, you know, you can't say something as simple as bad management, but obviously it was. Um, they had you know, a good brand stock, name. 
their stock is going crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, in a, oh, you I mean, mean in anticipation of? Yeah. Go ahead. No, I just, I mean, yeah. When yeah, they, something went wrong. I would have figured their stock would have taken a dive. The fact that their stock increased is is I can't figure it out. Okay. All right. Well, there. That, that's a fair point. Now, number one. Okay. It, when it comes down to it, people are trying to speculate, and I. This is the world we're in, okay, in the, in, in, right now, okay? Everybody wants to get rich yesterday, okay? Not even quick anymore. We want to get rich quick? No. We want to get rich yesterday. And so it has is, is changed the way a lot of people, especially young people, and the meme stocks and all these things. I think it's just a, a, currently it's just a meme stock. It's just one of those things that they get on the billboards out there, they get on there, and they message each other, and they talk up something like, Bed Bath and Beyond, because you're right. What was it? It was earlier this week. I mean, something like Monday or Tuesday when Bed Bath and Beyond said, "Yes, we are probably going to have to file bankruptcy." And and they they said that. And I'm watching, you know, I, I the TV. I can't remember which one it was, but it, and it's like, well, but the stock was up like 10 percent. It was crazy. It, Absolutely bizarre. We're going to go bankrupt. Now, remember, this is not all, it's not totally new because I've got to share a story. This goes back to MK, right? Yeah, I've been around that long. And uh, MK, Morrison Knudsen, for those of you who have moved in from California in the last 20 years, um, was a giant company, built the Hoover Dam and all those things. They said, literally, press release we are going to file bankruptcy and i at one weekend uh when doing the radio show literally i said look i I, guys you can't buy the stock you just can't it's going to go out of business it's trading at i don't know two or three dollars a share it's going to go out of business i had four phone calls to buy mk on monday because this is the company that built the Hoover Dam. People don't understand. When we're going out of business, that means we're going out of business and all your capital is going to go bye-bye. It doesn't mean that the company won't still be there. United Airlines has gone bankrupt twice. Most airlines have. It's just the, it's this idea that people are going to chase something that's at a couple bucks and run it up. And so, again, it is, and now we have this on steroids because people can use their phone to gamble in the markets, and they do. And so, I mean, it's a great point. I, I just think it's a symptom of our times where people really think that that's what investing is, is throwing 10 bucks on the Knicks game. It's not, but by having hundred, millions of people doing this, you, you take crazy stocks like Bed Bath & Beyond and drive them higher. Look what happened with GameStop, with uh, AMC, and others. But it ends badly. Right. I, I, I appreciate, I, uh, yeah, that makes sense. I just can't believe there's that many guys out there meme, you know, texting about, Oh, I think this, you know, like with uh GameStop. So I'm going to stick with my index funds and, uh, mm-hmm. just hold the course. Well, I, I, that's the way to go. It really is. And just not worry about it because what you're doing is you're getting rich, not even slowly, but you're getting rich and more certainly less risk than any other strategy. But we all strive to have that no movement in price or, or get rich real quick. And I'll just get in, I'll flip, flip, you know, bed, bath and beyond or GameStop or whatever it is. It is just our human nature and it is so whack it is just it's why we can't take something as simple as the stock market and get rich and go home it is that easy we just make it hard and the the other the other thing i think about i'm a few years away from having to you know tap into my investments i'm a few years away and i figure i put it in little by little if I put it in and the market climbed good, if I put it in and the market dropped, well, next time I put in, it's going to it's gonna buy more. When I pull it out, it's going to be the same thing. If I have to take 
800 out this month, I'm leaving, you know, 99.9% of my money in there and, mm-hmm. and it's going to keep going. So unless I have to pull it all out tomorrow, I'm not going to lose too much sleep. But, hey, God bless you, Dave. I hope you have a wonderful new year, and I'll uh, I'll keep listening until uh, until I can't hear anymore. Well, God bless. Thank you. Thank you for call, for your call. I appreciate it. Take care. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. And we're going to take a quick break, and hopefully we're going to talk to you on the other side. Give us a call. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Love to hear from you. Either way, uh, our, our uh, email is uh, dave at petsofinancial.net. You know, Lyle brings up another of the interesting questions today, if you will, psychologically. I it's not like I have an answer and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm here to fix it, but I've been dwelling a lot on lately, personally, why we're so broken. What's wrong with us? I mean, what, what is wrong with our society that millions of people are, have, have died of drug overdoses. And all we do is talk about things that don't matter. It's crazy. Or we argue about when is a newborn life a life? It's just incredible. I mean, we we just talk about these things that seem to have no real, I don't know. We're broken. Why are young men not having sex? Why are young men not finding women? Why are young men not wanting to get married? What's going on? Why are so many people dying in, an, in a world that is so abundant? Why do people chase instantaneous wealth in investing? Why, why do people act this way? It is puzzling. It is frustrating. It, it, it makes me worry, really, for our country in the long run. Now you didn't tune in for that, except it affects investing so deeply. All of those questions where we are fixated on the immediate gratification and self. We don't focus on the world and others. We pretend to, but it's created this strange environment where people are rushing for instant wealth. Like, I don't want to spend 20 years getting wealthy. (laughs) I'm going to buy some Bed Bath & Beyond or GameStop or whatever. Companies that are literally have announced we're going out of business. And this is the trading thing that sends stocks through the roof. No wonder. No wonder some people throw their hands in the air and they just go, oh, man, I just cannot, I don't even know how to invest. And again, if you really feel the need to play with Bed Bath & Beyond, okay, but actually invest too with the real money, with your serious money, because it won't work. It doesn't work. It always has a bad ending. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. I went a little long on the first segment, so I'm going to go ahead and take our break right now and ask you to call us at 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Wow, isn't that it's interesting to me? I don't know. Some teenager is actually like a spokesperson for 
how the world's going to end in the next few years. My, my Lord, I, I, you talk about the insanity of news today. Why would anybody care? Who, somebody that has no idea of what's what. Whether the world is warming or cooling, we call it climate change, we call it whatever we will, or what the, if you will, the consequences of deciding we will not use energy. That's it. We're just not going to use any energy at all. What that would do, how many people would die? No, no consequential thought, but we got to throw that person on the news. You got to be kidding me. And this is what goes for serious discussion. It's bizarre to me. It's just bizarre. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Just a picture of our times. Let's go to Mike. Mike, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Hi. Um, I, uh, I have a small business that I uh, run, and I am looking, you know, I hear about a lot of employees that have, you know, these great pensions and great retirement benefits and all that. And I'm curious as to what I need to do to set something like that for my employees. There are a multitude of options, Mike, out there. So, um, you know, from from a 401k, which I'm sure you've heard about, where you match some of your employees' contributions if they choose to participate. There's others out there that are less administrative if you have just a few employees. They're called simple programs. And it's really, um, I mean, you can obviously research that all uh, out there very easily. They're very common things to Google, if you will. But at the same time, you, you, all, all you need to do really is check in with uh, a financial advisor and they can help you determine one or two options that you can go with. Now, most of the time, those investments are not made through the investment advisor because of all the restrictions there are now. Yeah, but that doesn't stop you from, you know, people like me knowing what the heck you, what options you have available. I'm a small business owner as well. So I'm kind of aware of what things we offer and what we could offer and what the costs of those things are. And so I think you can basically just call one of your, if you have a financial advisor, you know one, you can just ask those questions. And I think you're going to get some pretty solid answers. How many employees do you have? Um, I have currently I have uh, three, and I'm going to hire another guy on here uh, next month. Okay, you, you know, usually uh, a simple uh, IRA is what it's called. A simple IRA is is uh, something you could do, and the administrative cost is zero, uh, and your cost is three percent. You have to match three percent for your employees, and um, it, in other words, you. It, Instead of paying a couple thousand dollars and more, actually, it's probably more like three, three, uh, three thousand or more to administer a 401k or a more complicated program. That is uh, simple; has no cost at all. It just doesn't have the big documents or anything. It's a very simple plan. You cannot customize it. They are what they are. But um, for most people, that's that works. And, and it works very well because it does cap your cost and um, also keeps you from having to pay the administrative cost. Okay. Now, okay. Now, and, and, I, and I have a, a 401k myself, my personal one. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to set, so I want to create a good job, if you will. I pay my guys pretty well. Uh, the health yep. insurance I buy for them has got a fifteen hundred dollar deductible instead of a seventy five hundred dollar deductible, and so I want to set something up for them that is, you know, worthwhile. And they say, hey, you know, I got this great retirement program going now too. Gotcha. Well, and that's that's the nice thing about it. Now, um, I, I th- you said you have a four hundred one k. Do you have another job? Or you just have no, it left from it's just a from personal work. one that, that I've um, contributed to a very small amount. Um, I, 
you know, I was divorced 20 years ago and I lost everything and was in the hole and I've, you know, been building up since. And, okay. uh, okay. and that's one of those things where, you know, I was putting a hundred bucks a month in it is all I was doing for the last, you know, eight or nine or the first eight or nine years. And then I've started adding more and more and more to it. Okay. Okay. Well, you can also add to the the pension or a simple or whatever it is you decide to do uh, for them. And uh, I, I think that at least looking at or starting with a simple, and that way you don't have the administrative cost, is a great place to go. And uh, you know, I know it's uh, it's it's it is it, you know what it is uh, hard to be a business owner. I love it. You're employing people. And you're working harder than anybody else. And I, I just, you know, God bless you for doing it. I appreciate it. And the world does too, even if you don't uh, I always have people go, uh, you know, that's just wonderful of you to be out there doing that. It's a hard, it's a hard thing. And I, I think it's great. And and it's great. You want well, to take it, care of your folks. And, and I kind of, you know, I, I, I want to, know what to call it challenge other business owners i mean you know there's uh, i'm a pretty conservative person obviously i'm listening to you and you know this radio station but you got to put your money where your mouth is and Mm -hmm. you know if you don't want government programs you got to provide them for your people and that's you know what i'm trying to do and you know i'm like you know my one main employee I, i pay for his wife's insurance and his kids insurance too you know, their health yeah. and, uh, and I'm, you know, trying to make it so they don't have to ask for government assistance or anything like that. And, you know, like I said, I, I see a lot of rich guys out there, but when it comes to doing stuff for their people, it seems like, oh, well, that's what we're going to cut back and no, and they don't deserve it or whatever. Yeah. Well, I think, I think that, Small business is doing a great job out there generally, and I agree with you. There are, are people out there as well. But by and large, people uh, people uh, love their folks they work with and uh, want to see them succeed and, and, and try to help them, uh, just like you are. So I, I, I have great hope in our country because of small business um, and, and the people that run it. So I, I think that's, a, that's one of the things that is – it, to me, it, it, well, it is a different, a differing thing for our country. It's different. America's different because we have small business. Other countries don't. They have very, very few small businesses out there, and we are just full of them, full of them. And uh, it really helps drive our country. It really does. So, hey, Mike, thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate it. And um, it, obviously, you can find out lots of information out there on pension funds, but I think I would start with looking into a simple IRA, okay? I appreciate the info, Dave. Thank you. Thank you. You have a great rest of the day. Take care. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Before we take a quick break here, uh, you know, it, it is astounding to me. I started off today's program talking about this, how much the market jumped in the first two weeks. An astounding number. Six percent. It wasn't supposed to happen because everybody knows we're heading to a recession and blah, blah, blah. And all the Wall Street analysts. Again, it's not to make fun. It's to fully appreciate and continue to put the microscope on this idea that we cannot know what the future is, we can't know how markets will react, even if we knew what interest rates were going to do, even if we knew what corporate profits were going to do. We don't know what the market will do. Wall Street, at the beginning of 2022, nailed for like the first time in 40 years. I mean, nailed it like within $1 what corporate profits would be on the S&P 500. Nailed it. It's an almost impossible thing to do, as witnessed by the fact that for 40 years they haven't got it right. They got it right. Absolutely spot on. 
to what the corporations would make. And of course, the Wall Street consensus was the market would go up by 8%, not down by 20. Oops. They nail the hardest thing, the most important thing in the equation. What are corporate profits going to be? Did not tell anybody what the market would do. Not a bit, not a clue. Isn't that crazy? All right, our number is 580-KIDO. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us today. I sure appreciate it. We've got plenty of time left in today's program. If you want to call, though, it's 580-5436, 580-KIDO. Speaking of callers, let's go to David. David, thank you for calling. Go ahead, please. I have a financial advisor. By the way, am I coming in okay? You're coming in great. Thank you. I have a financial advisor that is 65 years old. I've been with him for 30 years. I got another 20 years, not me, I'm 70, but my, I have another 20 years of a second generation that could use some financial advice. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that my guy's done great, just like you said, you don't know what tomorrow brings. And I, I don't know what to do. Pull the trigger, find somebody. And, uh, you know, you will also, and then I would really appreciate your comments on <clears throat> financial advisors. There's everybody with a web page and a keyboard is a financial advisor these days. And some of them like their soccer team and some of them uh, had undergraduate degrees in psychology or were a tennis coach or that kind of stuff. I don't see a lot of securities analysis and MBAs and that kind or, you know, graduate mm-hmm. stuff out there. So, this is a generic question. What does a guy do when his advisor is going to retire in three years, one year, five years? Yeah, good question. Well, I'm getting to be, uh, you know, closing in on that age as well. And I think uh, it's a very interesting question because it depends on what's going on at the firm. Now, I, I I realize if you're at a Wall Street type firm, okay, all they're going to do is pass around the names to different people. There's really not right. a succession plan there, uh, and, and maybe right. that's where you're at. And so you're you're completely on your own. I, I totally I, I get that, and that's hard. It, it is because my, just a second, my my guys are local. My people are local here, but okay. local local doesn't. <laughs> Succession is an issue for even local people. And, uh, you know, Schwab's the holder of the funds. But so, you know, I'm struggling, basically. I don't know what to do. And I know that staying put is an issue. Uh, Plop yourself in the same situation or any of your colleagues and ask, ask, what do I do next? Yeah, well, we have a plan in place for that because guess what? I may not retire. I may just drop dead. I mean, it's just a fact of life. We don't have a lease on life. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I don't have a plan to retire because I love what I do, but that doesn't mean that I get to do this forever. I don't. And there may come a time where, whether it's a stroke or whatever it is, right, you just, I don't think as well. And so now all of a sudden you, you've got that issue. So there are a number of things that happen out there. First of all, um, firms, in, independent firms, are, have great value, and a lot of people choose to sell. Uh, and they sell out to a bigger firm. And, and then you're going to have to decide whether you want to be with the, that firm or not. It's going to be new people. What we've done is that we've decided that I love the people I work with day in and day out, and so do my clients. And so if something happens to me, they're just going to continue on without me. Now, some people will decide that is not what they want, and I get that. But we have people in place with as many as 28 years experience working with us. So that, that, that is what we've chosen. And I think it's a fair question to ask of your advisor is to say, what is the plan? What if you drop dead? What if you retire? What's going to happen with me? What is the plan? Is it just going to wind up with Joe down the hall? Or do you actually have a plan where you say, look, I, I think this is a, a, a great way to operate this. I love what I do. And maybe your advisor does too. And doesn't have a plan. Oh, he does, and he's, he's done great, but uh, 
The other thing, if I could ask you, and, and uh, I'll use your firm as just an, an example because you have a big, yeah. successful, long-standing firm. Are your people siloed? <laughs> Do they have Petso, or does Petso have one of them looking over their shoulder at 10 different accounts? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Uh, we, as an independent, uh, and, and everybody, that's a, the great thing about this industry, and it's also the confusing part of this industry. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to answer one of your questions earlier as well in this, in this question. We and most people operate this way. We opt uh, now, we just pay salaries to people, if that's what you're asking. Are we... Uh, am I the uh, only owner or are there multiple owners? Most firms have multiple owners. Uh, we are transitioning to that from me. So um, gotcha. that is that is a, a process that we're going through, and I think most places do. Why? Because owners have a, a, a different interest, right? They have a different uh, – more, more skin in the game, if you will. And also that allows for that continuity that we're talking about. It, it, it does. So it can't just be about one person, and I don't want it to be. I want it to go on, and I want my clients taken care of because it's just something I've really enjoyed doing, and I want it to keep going. And I think most people feel that way. They're not just trying to build a business to get rid of it. So um, there's just too much interaction, as you know and as you have. Now, you asked how, earlier, in, in, a, in a way, maybe I'm paraphrasing, uh, how do you find an advisor? Uh, I think it's an incredibly difficult question because everybody calls themselves financial advisors. You know, in a couple hours, there's going to be a, 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 an insurance agent because there are no licenses that says he's a financial advisor. I mean, he just flat says that. Well, that's not true. I, I got mean, it. Literally, it's not true. It, 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 he has no other license because it allows him to basically mislead. You don't have to, you don't have, to have full disclosure. If you are not, you don't carry securities licenses and things like that. You're not a certified financial planner. All those things. Now, that doesn't make it, if you have all those licenses, it doesn't make you good. So I always come back to this. You, you, you probably know that there are a few good advisors, financial advisors, here in town. And you can ask and talk to people. But what you have to steer away from is product salesmen. That's not an advisor. That's a product salesperson. And so I don't think it makes people virtuous to say uh, we only operate on fees, but it's a good starting place, right? I, I don't want somebody making a massive commission because they sell me a product. And, you know, it, it, I, I think you need to find fiduciaries, people who operate on some kind of a fee, whether it's hourly or it's assets under management, because then they're not driven by product sales. They're not trying to sell you. Well, let me let me uh, let me throw another curveball at you. So you got a, a let's just say a small, tightly held, limited number of owner partners, and they have five or six other people in their office uh, okay. as like the nucleus of an atom. Sorry, Once boss, they get a certain size, we're going to run out of time. 